welcome. Thank you for all of the help that you've all given to this uh, mandala. And please, if you can, continue to help us so that we can strengthen and protect what little tiny area we have here that we all come to. There's not that many of us. So this uh, title of the talk this morning is uh, Muscles of Personhood. I think that's what I said, wasn't it? So, and that came up kind of to try to understand my, my intention there is to try to try to help you get a, an idea of what is happening in the mind stream that is actually recreating the vicious circles that your mind goes, has been going, has been going in since, probably since you were born this time. Here we are again, chasing our own tail. Samsara means it just means circles, circles. Everything is in circles. If you haven't noticed, take a look. It's, we, we go over here and then we go over there and we go around. It looks like a straight line, but it's very circular. And those muscles, I don't know if there's actual muscles, but maybe habituation or habitual patterns tend to get but habituated. We just continue to do that. It's like a knee jerk. Uh, this happens, and, and then we just keep start doing that without even uh, uh, reflecting on what it is, or not without being aware of what it is we're doing. We're just building up more crap. And can you stop that? I don't think you can stop it by looking at the crap and trying to stop it. Uh, it can slow down or disappear, but only through awareness, as far as I know. Tony Robbins probably has a different idea, as does Thich Nhat Hanh, or I could name everybody. I don't know. People do this differently, see it differently. I definitely am not seeing this the way either, not, either one of my teachers taught this in this way, a little bit. But I, I don't teach out of what I've been taught. I've been taught a lot, and I remember some of it, forgot most of it. But I teach out of what I'm seeing every single moment. I can even take it further and maybe be more confusing. There aren't any moments. There's just this one. That's, that's an incredible illusion that there's a, a past full of moments and a future full of moments. It's unreal. There's only this. And, and, and there will be only this whether your body continues to go or not. Hear my voice raise when I say that? I'm not doing that. The personhood isn't doing that. The personhood was in charge here. And this old man, I'd get up and get out of here. And I'd be way too embarrassed about what I'm even putting forth here. Because it does not support a self. And so something would come up to protect that self. I'm sure you've noticed. We all have our own little soap opera going about our life and what happened, what somebody said, what somebody did. La, 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 la. Around and around. Put my stick down before I hit myself with it. Muscles, muscles, we exercise something and it just gets stronger. And so the idea here with some, something like Ango or your daily sitting practice <clears throat> is not to get better and not to heal. Not that some people, that's the only language they're going to understand. And you might need to approach them or relate to them in that way if you're endeavoring to help them. You might help somebody 
a lot more by never even mentioning me the, the word meditation or the practice of meditation. Meet them where they're at. That way, if there's any kind of possibility of having con connection or communication with that person, it's not going to be altered or stopped by their resistance to their pre preconceptions about meditation or Buddhism or training the mind or any of that. Meet them where they're at. Those of you in the room, and there's several who are therapists, know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're trying to, if you're trying to do something with somebody without first really seeing what's happening with them, then it's just some kind of a project about fixing somebody. Not going to work. So as far as the muscles of personhood, or you could use the other term, ego, but feeling if there is someone, that gets exercised anytime you choose anything. Look closely at this. Look, look closely at it. At when you opt for this instead of that. Anytime you set, you set up that polarity, that reinforces, strengthens the self-centeredness to function in the world, and you completely miss what is a true spiritual path. Anytime you choose. Now, I'm not saying that you wouldn't be sitting in a particular situation and start doing working on this or going this direction, going through this doorway instead of that one, or staying in bed instead of getting up and coming in here. Did you notice that this morning? You feel like there was a, a choice being made? Say it. We'll budge it out over here too. But it just happened, just occurred. I'm just talking about Uno and I are, are trying to decide whether we want to sleep for another hour or come in here. That's choiceless for me. But that does not mean that I might not have slept for another hour instead of coming in here at 8 o'clock. has to be done with the awareness. If there's a chooser in there, or if there's a choosing happening, circles. I'm not saying it's going to show up as a big red blotch on your record for the day on your diary. You're going to have to write everything in blood because it was such a terrible choice you made. It's not, <coughs> it's not the choices. It's, it's the chooser that is strengthens, given bigger, larger muscles by opting for an identity that gets to choose. That little tiny self-empowerment that is all about you and your fixation on yourself as winning or as losing or as being left out. Somebody's not paying attention to me. Somebody doesn't include me. Somebody, somebody, somebody. Muscles, muscles, muscles. <clears throat> if you see it, you'll stop picking up that barbell. You just won't do it anymore. And it, it will be what? Painful. If you're looking for pleasure, this is not your path. I'm not saying you can't have pleasure on this path. You might have more pleasure on this path than you could have on the mundane path of trying to get pleasure because it would be a natural, it would just be the natural shape of everything without conflict. No more conflict. No more war. No more war. That doesn't mean that war, the temptation to go to war, won't continue to arise and arise and arise and magnetize you into some kind of pushing or pulling with your friends, your relatives, your partner, your sangha, your teacher, muscles. You, have, you need to see that you're strengthening it. If you just see that, see the strengthening, then it, you will just stop doing that. You just won't pick up that barbell. 
you'll see it. You might even pick it up, but you'll, you'll be aware that you're strengthening that area of the consciousness that wants something else. It's, it's simple, four noble truths. Life is suffering. He was not bullshitting us. The kindness of that man 2,500 years ago. It's outrageous to teach that. Life is suffering. The cause is <laughs> something else. The cessation of the third one is comes to an end. But what comes to an end is not the suffering. I'm here to tell you about that. Just if you, uh, a simple way to understand that is um, how, how good would that be for you if your suffering came to an end and the whole rest of the world is torturing each other? Well, you'd be, delight, you'd be uh, totally delighted with your own God realm there. You get to not suffer, but those other people just, they just need to wake up. You aren't separate from anyone, anywhere. You're not separate from this. You're not separate from the person sitting next to you or the person you had a, have a, you had a disagreement with yesterday. Not separate from them. Separated. And that separation is second noble truth. Wanting something else. Not being able to receive that person, that, that, that what is showing up there as they are, as they are. Push, push, or judge, or evaluate, or finger point. These are muscles that are you're exercising. That part of consciousness that in the Yogacara tradition is called the seventh, seventh consciousness. It's the part of the mind that curls up into a paranoid ball, or as Trungpa Rinpoche would characterize it, a cocoon. You cannot get out of that. If you fight with it, it just gets stronger. Excuse me. But if you see it, if you see it, it begins to become transparent. You realize you're starting to look through the very thing that you thought was <clears throat> cinder block, vividly unreal and emptiness, yet there's still form, still form. So another way that I tried to describe it before that may be helpful to you and maybe not, but the dependent origination or praticca samutpada is, is not uh, uh, tit for tat, it's not this cause, that cause, that. Yes, there's some of that in there, but the big picture is you can't find the source for anything. And that's why to, to go out and try to, whatever is happening in your mind stream, to, go, to actually go and try to stop that or correct that or reshape that is uh, ignorance because you're, you are totally ignoring what I sometimes characterize as it's none of your business. Uh, even though you're looking at the leading edge of it, you're not seeing all the causes and conditions that are behind anything that's happening. So you're missing that one thing in the 13th century that by taking that out, uh, this changes shape totally. It doesn't even show up this way. It shows up another way. You wouldn't even have a life if you took that out. And that is the illusion of time, the illusion of past and future. It's unreal. There's only this. Not something to believe. Most important word that you can use to remind yourself of what you're doing is to intend, to intend to see what this is, no matter what, and return as we're doing this whole month of February, 
we're returning. I'm even doing this with you. I didn't know if I was going to do this or not. I just thought maybe you guys would do it. And I wouldn't do it at all, but apparently I'm showing up here too. I don't know why. Maybe it's uh, to show up uh, as a, you know, to reinforce your practice. How can we include everything, including the 13th century, if all we can see is the leading edge? And also, is, is this the leading edge? Yes. Whatever shows up, and I'm very, I'll, I'll say this very slowly, and I'll say it twice. Whatever shows up, don't accept it. Don't reject it. And don't turn away from it. Passion, aggression, ignorance, the three poisons. If you grasp, and the way of grasping, grasping can show up uh, uh, to blame somebody or blame a situation, blame yourself, any kind of leading, leaving what is showing up and, and going into personhood about it and strengthening the muscles of personhood. I don't like that. And the other one is, I, need, I really need a lot more of that. I don't get enough of that. I need to have more of that. I need more. Why won't he, she, they give me more of that? I need more of that. Why are they keeping this away from me? Muscles. Muscles are being strengthened just by that activity, whether, regardless of what happens next. If you turn yourself into a person that wants something else and demands it, then you've just entered hell, the hell realm. There are six realms. Study them, look at them, and see the way you, maybe in one day, will go through all six of those realms, from the God realm to the jealous God realm to the human realm, the hungry ghost realm, or to the animal realm, the hungry ghost realm, and the hell realm. The human realm, it's been said, is the only realm that you really can attain realization. It's not that there aren't Buddhas in every realm. Of course there are. The Buddhas don't see those boundaries. The Buddha, just the Bodhisattva, he, she, they, just go and support help. And that support might be just sitting next to somebody rubbing elbows with them. Might not be any words at all. They're everywhere. They don't see the, the different realms because they, they're everywhere. They aren't separated. I'm just kind of fixed on the words, the leading edge, and wondering what that is. The, the leading edge is whatever's showing up. Whatever shows up, that's it. And then what we do is we add, we comment on it. Well, that shouldn't be happening. Well, I don't deserve that. Why does she keep saying that? Why do they keep, why, 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 why? We go into why questions that, that get us away from the suffering uh, a little bit, a small amount. And then that feels a little better because we're, we're producing. As soon as you open your mouth and hook up your vocal cords about anything, about anything, this is the very nature of samsara, circular. Just a way of talking about it more. Anyone else, especially in that same area, if you have something, please don't hesitate. I won't at all. Go ahead, Michelle. Michelle Ryan. It seems like with intention, let's say I intend to strike the bell a certain intensity, it generally seems like I can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's awareness. That's awareness of seeing that you can't, there's no success story here. If you're looking for success on the path, although that's been used a lot, not by me, but if you're looking for success on the path, uh, you might have success in the path, 
but there won't be anybody left to enjoy that success because nothing else occurs more. So there's, are you saying then that there is intention without hope for a result? Yeah, hope is kind of useless. It's just a lot of wasted energy in the, and people, uh, especially in the West, use that a lot. I use it. I said, well, I hope it doesn't rain today because I want to go uh, skateboarding. Well, do that. I would if I'd come along with skateboards earlier. How about you? Do you skateboard? A little bit. Hmm. More than I do. I can stand up on one and make it go forward. But don't you have to hang onto the wall or something? No? Okay. Let's go back to your question. What was it? What was it? It was about intention and results. Good one. Hope for hope. You can't hope for something if you don't know what it is. I mean, if you if you could, but you're hoping for results, but you don't really know what those results would be. The, the path is the goal in this case, which is the title of Trump Rinpoche's book. More? I lost it. Oh. But. And I. Uh, so the, the leading edge or what is showing up? Yes. Is that, is that different for every individual? What is showing up? What we see as the leading edge? Yes, because it's, it's, it goes through the filter of your particular karma, how you were treated when you were growing up, and how, what, what uh, the karma that came into this lifetime and man manifested in this way. <clears throat> combinations of so many things, your mom, your dad, your heredity, how, how they were treated and what they passed on to you, how much they actually supported you as and respected you. Not, it's very uncommon to see, uh, see parents that really respect their children. They want so much to control them, to get them to function a certain way so, so they don't look quite so bad reflects directly on them. So it's more about them than about the actual child. More? Yeah, how do we, how can we, how can I really respect my own filter? By, by being aware of it. I'm still doing the very things that I'm talking about. But it's awareness of that. So therefore, if the awareness is there, there is less likelihood of that actually getting much, uh, much of a what to use the image of much of a foothold. You can feel it, but it doesn't get any traction because it, there there's no person there in the in the uh, engine compartment. That engine is just running, and it's called pratitya samutpada, dependent origination without personhood. And if the personhood is there, it's unreal. So you don't even fight with it. If your ego shows up and you see it, you just you just see it. You don't push it away. You just see it. You don't make excuses for it or or talk about why you're egotistical and who caused it. Or you don't shut down on it and pretend otherwise. Go ahead. <clears throat> I was just thinking about um, how it feels kind of devastating to to see the some of those filters they've been living with. Devastating. That's how the path feels. First noble truth, life is suffering. And you're, if you're on this path, your 
you could say it this way, you, you have a willingness to actually look at what the Buddha taught. This is the path of the Buddha's Dharma. Buddha means awake. Dharma means truth. So you have a willingness to look at this in your own life. Stop fighting and covering up and explaining. Just stop it. Look at the mind stream as it arises moment by moment in your sitting practice so that when you get up off your cushion and interact with others, you create less havoc in the world. You add to the suffering that's already rampant all over the place. You've finally stopped doing that to others. Go ahead. When you're bowing earlier, you said that we're not separate from any of the person we had a disagreement with or whatever the situation was. Yes. And I believe you also said um, it's not being able to receive that person as they are. If there is no personhood, what is it we're receiving? Uh, The illusion. You're not fighting with the, it's an illusion. So you just receive it. It's unreal in the first place. And it's unreal in the second place. It's unreal. So therefore, you even though it's it's like a, a theater, it's like a it's like a, a play, like a one act play. It just comes on and manifests, and you just observe it. Just you just observe it. Yes. When you're bowing, are receiving and observing the same bowing? I use them together. Observing is you're just smelling, tasting, touching, thinking seeing, hearing, whatever is in front of you, without any interpretation or any addition. No, no passion, no aggression, and no ignorance. None of it. So what do you have left? Just this. You go ahead. And you're bowing. I believe you also said that it it's, becomes transparent. Yes. What is the it? Everything. Anything that shows up as something, you can see right through it. This is why it's an illusion. But it's, it's as Trump Rinpoche uh, uh, said in, in uh, Sadhana Mahamudra, vividly unreal. Vividly. Vivid means it's brilliant. It's vivid. You can see its delineations. You can see its edges. You can see its texture. You can see its uh, barking noises. It's vividly unreal because it's an illusion in emptiness. It's like a dream, but it's it's right here, like this dream right here. You're looking at it right now. This is unreal. Vividly unreal in emptiness means there's no, you can't find any, um, any place to hang your hat. Vividly unreal and emptiness is empty. So there's nothing you can, there's nothing to do. Coben said, uh, falling apart, falling apart. What was falling apart? His notion of reality and his whole idea of the world, what the world was and who he was, came apart, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Nothing to do. And basically nothing to do. It doesn't mean you won't do things, but there's, there's no demand on anything. You don't have to do anything. So therefore, the things that you do are completely accurate and precise. Everything all at once, the past and future are gone. It's only this, always. <laughs> That's an illusion, vividly unreal and emptiness. Yet there's still form. There's still form, but the form is 
just the way this the particular frequency, the way this is showing up as being solid. Very, very convincing. Go ahead. And you're bowing. So if, if seeing then becomes, if what we're seeing becomes transparent, then what is it we're seeing, bowing? <clears throat> you're seeing your true, your true nature. You're seeing your Buddha nature. You're seeing your awakened nature. You're seeing awakened truth. You're seeing the Buddha everywhere in everything. Sometimes it's it's used uh, talked about as a mirror, like uh, Hokyozamai, Song of the Jewel Mirror Samadhi. Sometimes because it because you actually are looking at yourself, even in a person who uh, you're only going only, to, only you only are going to see one time in. Uh, in the gas station uh, when you're driving through Ohio, never see that person again, but you're looking at the Buddha. He, she, they, they don't know it, or maybe they do. They don't realize what this is. They think that they think when I say, I'm talking about what I'm doc, talking about what people think, I don't know, just how it looks over here. They think that there's somebody going somewhere or somebody working in a gas station, and you know they're the Buddha. You're not separate from the Buddha, nor are you, nor is anyone else. It's not some kind of idealistic or romantic notion. It might be the opposite of that. It's ordinary. It's flat. The distinctions that the ego will look for and pull out to support that, that, that adventure through the muscles, trying to get, trying to build something up, be somebody, accomplish something, show up, be successful. All this being said, being said, I want you to be aware of I am not saying that we shouldn't function in certain very, very helpful ways in society. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you may want to do that as um, what's showing up as people who are therapists who are working and we're trying to do in our community here. We're trying to slowly uh, do everything from um, build a place for a, a young people to come so that they'll be safe. So because some of the homes that young people go to these days are insane and crazy and dangerous for them. So we're trying to find a way to do that. But this doesn't mean that we believe any of it. You actually work in the illusion. You can't if you work in the illusion and you think there's really something going on there other than intense suffering. Because of the lack of understanding of what this is. And then you get then we get tied up in accomplishment, which of course the whole world is what works and what doesn't work. <laughs> well, you have to start somewhere. So you start right in the middle, you meet the world that you're in, the family that you're in, the community that you're in, the relationship you're in, right where it's at. You may be able to go further with that, and you may just have to go another direction. But it will be choiceless. And if you don't understand what I mean by choiceless, please. Ask me some questions as challenging as you can come up with, especially because you think you make choice choices. And it's choiceless before you understand that and it's choiceless afterwards. It's choiceless before because you don't realize you are being run by the karma that you, has been running you for centuries, more than likely if you're sitting in front of this old man. And now some of you, quite a few of you have been sitting the last what? 10 days at 12 days, something like that, and facing a wall pretty much all day long with a few breaks. What is that about? Why would we do such a thing? Wouldn't it be better to pray? 
Wouldn't it be better to better better to better to better to better to do something else? No, we're training ourselves to look right at what this is. And what is this projection of our minds? You have to see that that's what the mind is doing. And how do we do it? Look at the wall, look at the computer screen or whatever, something where not much is moving. <clears throat> choiceless, it's choiceless to do, to do this. If you had a choice, if you're operating out of choice right now, you wouldn't do this. Reflect on that a little bit. You're, there's something much more vast and profound that is moving in your heart. In this heart, than just our simple accomplishment mentality of improving or getting better. Much more vast and profound. It's called prajna. What's the significance of intention if we don't have choice? What is it you want to know? I heard the question. What do you want to know? I mean, I don't. I, I understand what you're saying, but there, what's the assumption you're making there? What's showing up is what does an intention accomplish if there's no choice? It doesn't accomplish anything other than you stop ignoring what is the truth, the fundamental truth that you're not separate from anything, never have been. Personhood shrinks up into a self and goes to war or goes to peace. Wants this, doesn't want that. I'll take that, but I don't want that. He said, she said, they said. We buy into the whole melodrama that is our life. And it seems very real. And it triggers all kinds of uh, emotions uh, in us that are probably shut down until the trigger comes along. So therefore, you can take some things and just set them aside. It's called ignorance. Whereas someone who is awake doesn't set anything aside. They receive everything. Even their own death, they receive it with some, maybe some trepidation. But if they're, a, if they're a, on this path, then maybe with a lot of curiosity. But what is this? What, what fundamentally is this? Not many people can do that. Rather than what should I do, it's some kind of a trying to figure out how to do it correctly. More? Is alignment, sorry, is intention alignment with something? <clears throat> Somewhat. Maybe even quite a bit. It's a return. If you can't get some kind of uh, intention about what it is that feels more intuitive or more in the area of non-conceptual, then use the concepts to get to it. Passion, aggression, ignorance. Those are the three ways we rotate out of the truth into some otherness that may be more comfortable for the self-centered part of the consciousness. Grasping, rejecting, shutting down. Those are conceptual ideas. But we use those to, to, to see the way the mind will do that. It'll push on something. Aggression. It might be very, very tiny or slight. But by being aware of that and not correcting it, if you correct it, then we're going in another direction. We're backing up into the idea that maybe I can fix this, maybe I can improve. And we'll, we'll try out different ways to and see if we get any results there. So this is why the intention is so powerful, because the intention is to see the truth. See what is fundamentally true for yourself. It's not something you believe. I often say, don't believe what I'm saying. I'm not just joking around with some kind of feeling. Well, I know they will believe what I say. No, 
I mean it. Don't believe what I say. Listen, and then look at it yourself. See if what I'm talking about or pointing to or discussing or displaying or explaining uh, carries some kind of uh, weight to, so that you, to help you deal with your own spinning or your own confusion, conflicting emotions about the nature of what the hell this is. To have two different emotions, we, people often say, well, a part of me wants this, a part of me wants that. That's exactly what's being addressed because we do have different emotions. We really like to do this, but when we do that, this hurts. And so then we try to get this without getting hurt as if we can divide up reality and just get the good stuff and keep away the bad stuff. More? Didn't you? A question from Jeremy. Go ahead. You said that the third noble truth is cessation, but not the end of suffering. Can you speak more on that? What is it a cessation of? Uh, if the cessation is uh, the, the, in the individual, the cessation is that one is no longer looking for something else. So the, 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 what ceases is the belief in itself. But the suffering is rampant. It's all over the place. Just because you awaken doesn't mean that the rest of the world isn't suffering. And if you took it even further than that, you could say, because you see that you're not separate from anyone, then this part of the consciousness is seeing the nature of suffering and the rest of the uh, people around you are fighting with the suffering, trying to push it away, which creates more chaos, suffering, warfare. So it has to be done with awareness, not with some kind of strategy or intellect or logic, even though logic is used somewhat in, uh, in the teachings, in the various lineages. Yes? Here's a follow-up question. Yeah. Is suffering not separate from joy or pleasure? Yeah, they're not the same thing, but they're not separate from it. Not, not separate. They're nerve ending. This uh, you can you can you can pet uh, a cat if you like cats. <laughs> you can pet a cat. It's very very pleasant on the, uh, to do that on your hand. Or maybe it's a dog. Or maybe it's a a squirrel if you can catch one. You know, my uncle once uh, gave me a salt shaker when I was four. Sent me out into the yard and says, "Put put some salt on the tail of the bird, and you'll be able to catch it." And I looked at him and he said, yeah, you put salt on and they can't fly. I did it. I went out and sure enough, it worked. I mean, I mean, what worked is uh, he had a good time and he laughed and, and Daisy, my aunt, she also chirped in the doorway as I was doing this. I wasn't sure quite sure what, why they were laughing, but what they intended worked. Of course I didn't, the bird, yeah, didn't work. Did you have a question? <laughs> Go ahead. Kelly Rowling, what is happening when something is choiceless, but there's a self that wishes that it wasn't choiceless? It's just the nature of being a person, I think. You say, what is this happening? There's just attachment to a self that wants to, things to be different, but you're beginning to see that this has to happen. This is choiceless for, for this to happen. Quite often people run into that in the practice. They say, I don't know why I'm doing this. I say, ah, that's good. So that's where the, the what is happening is a transition between the ego aspect of consciousness 
and bodhicitta, the mind of awakening, which is spread all over. It doesn't even have a location in time or space, but it's and it doesn't belong to anyone. It's not your bodhicitta. It's it's ultimate bodhicitta or mind of awakening. It starts to arise in in beings. I don't know if it, arise, if it arises in aliens or not, but probably they're probably born with it. But you, you begin to see that, and you begin to see that it's choiceless for me. I have to practice this. You know, if anyone is wearing a Raksu uh, that that I've uh, uh, where I've given people that those uh, vows, uh, I'm not saying they can't do that and then back out of it or go another direction. Of course they could. But usually that happens, a person is really gets to the point where they're not sure why they're doing that, but they really feel like they need to do that. So then we're getting into the area of choicelessness with the, the bodhisattva path. More? Yeah. I'm thinking of the, the sing sing ming and the picking and choosing and dividing yeah. and separating. Yes. Separate by the slightest hair and far as night and day. Yeah, bear's breath deviation will fail to accord with the proper attunement. Which one is that in? What goes on mine? Doesn't matter. It's a line. Go ahead. What What is separating, for example, pleasure and pain? If pleasure and pain are one thing, what's <clears throat> dividing that, giving? We'll just start with that. So you're, you don't want pain, but you, see if I get this right, don't want pain, but you want pleasure. I think that's right, isn't it? Now, what if you wanted pain, but not pleasure? That actually operates to secure and strengthen the muscles of ego. It buys into a kind of, uh, of uh, negative narcissism. It's, it's a negativity because the positive part doesn't work. We begin to see through that. That's just a, a God realm thing or something like that. So then we go to the <clears throat> the other end of the spectrum where things uh, where we go in and, and reinforce the suffering, reinforce the shame, reinforce that, reinforce the failure. I'm just a failure. I can never going to get this right. You know, like this. The, sometimes what we'll say is we're doing pretty good, and then something comes apart. And we do something in our relationship, which was, which is seems to trigger the other person to be angry, and then we might say, we might say it aloud. We might not say it aloud, but we'd say, oh, "There I go again, saying something stupid." So always, instead of seeing it's just what it is, to look for a self that is successful, or a self that's wrong and needs fixing. But this is all strengthening. This is all muscles of ego. Don't do it. And when I say don't do it, how does that show up? As seeing the way you can't stop it. Seeing the way that you can't just, when I say don't do it, what I'm trying to do by that suggestion is to get you to look at that, to see that it's impossible to fix that. It's dependently arisen. This is where transcendence begins. What do I mean by transcendence? Is the consciousness, it, uh, it becomes released from knowledge becomes released from form. Form is still there, but there's the attachment is gone because one has seen, has actually witnessed or seen or even experienced, the word experience doesn't get it because it's like a seeing of it. You've seen your true nature, you see who you are, 
You're no longer confused. Their conflicting emo emotions are no longer holding forth. They might be there, but they can't find someone who has a problem with it. So therefore, you you're you don't have a problem with anything anymore. At the same time, you're if you're on this path and you're functioning as a teacher, you're able to meet people where they're at and fundamentally support their their path or their realization. If 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 they give you permission, can't make anyone do it. Mazukavani sitting a lot seems like it can kick up some intense emotions that you don't really have any explanation for. Yeah, don't explain. Watching, so if you really care about somebody, watching those intense emotions can be really painful. How can we not add to each other's suffering and sangha in that situation? Just, just do the best you can with it. Try not to make too big of a deal, even though the emotion is really intense. Try not to get rid of that emotion by blaming, get rid of that emotion by explaining and justifying and you know, all the labyrinths we go around trying to explain why we're saying that. And also don't shut it down or pretend like it's not there because it will start to build up and then really blow up at some, you know, three weeks from now. So just be responsible. If anything is arising in your mind stream when you're sitting or when you're in the kitchen or wherever you're at, walking down the road, it's yours. It's not yours as an individual, but it's happening in this particular mind stream that is showing up as this human form. It's beyond the, the name. It's beyond who we think we are into what we actually are, which is not separate from anything, whether, you're, whether, whether the form is manifesting as a living form, like a human, or whether the form is manifesting as an imaginary uh, form uh, in your head of the dream you had last night. It was real at the time. It's imaginary. So don't fix, correct anything. Just be aware. Less, less hooking up the vocal cords to express anything. I'm not saying you shouldn't write poetry or write letters or send emails or texts or anything. You should do all of that. Do whatever you want to do. Be aware of what you're doing and your intention. Go ahead. Can when you say less expression, that could include crying or just saying, "Hey, having my own rough time. Got nothing to do with you." Is that too much? Because I don't know how to not do that without just separating myself. You have to separate. Just like in order to meditate, you have to separate yourself. But what we've done here is rather than everybody's going into a solitary retreat for 28 days and sitting looking at the wall by themselves, which people, many people here have done this. have done even longer than that. Long, long periods of retreat. And so we're doing it as a group, but you'll notice when we're sitting in here, there's no interaction. We don't, uh, unless we need to talk and it's a situation, we need to ask somebody for something. We're not going to say much. We just sit here in silence together all day long, or at least for a total of eight hours in that 12 hour period. So there's some separation going on there. And uh, to come back to your question, as I understand it, uh, yes, you might say if you have a partner that is uh, at least on your frequency or your wavelength, then you ideally you should be able to say, I really need to be alone. I'm going through some gunk right now. I need to go be by myself. Or Is that the kind of thing you're asking about or not? Um, yeah, that doesn't. That just sounds like a production even. So I'm just wondering how much. Okay, now listen to me. Are you listening? 
Are you still listening? Are you ready to listen, to listen some more? Okay, this is the way I'm ramping up. You're very ramping up, haven't you? I keep talking about it, and, but I don't say it. But I make damn sure I've got your attention. Have I got your attention? You don't have to fix anything. You just have to be aware of it. So you are aware of it. That's enough. You don't have to stop doing that to be aware. Like you said, what was the word? Sounds like what? Production. production. And it is a production. But the awareness of the production is much more, uh, and, and it's, you're not talking about stopping production, though that may come about just by the awareness of it. But if there's a personhood or a selfhood, somebody looking for, to, to develop some muscles there, you'll get bigger muscles, muscles by trying to push that down. And then on top of that, it'll be the complaint that you can't quite succeed at it. And then, and the reason you can't succeed, yeah, you see what I'm talking about. Enough to bring you to tears, enough to bring me to tears. It's painful. It's called samsara. And it's the first noble truth of the Buddha. Someone who had the courage to say that to all of us, rather than trying to give us some kind of a uplift. You have to go through the labyrinth. You have to go through the forest of your own mind stream. You're doing that. You're here. You're doing that. Keep doing it. Never give up. Never give up. Understand this on your own terms. Go ahead, Yogodo. Yogodo Bowing, if uh, on the cushion we see ourselves um, using the three poisons or blaming, <clears throat> and that seems to make it stop, are we subtly correcting ourselves? It could be, but if you're aware of it, it doesn't matter what you do. It's uh, the awareness rules. So you don't have to change. And if you do try to manipulate and change things, then the awareness uh, can't work with that because you're being deceptive. You're deceiving yourself and pretending that you don't have that problem. It feels better to just, I just don't have that problem. I'm just not going to do that anymore. Uh, any, any of you who uh, talk to me very much, and some of you talk to me a lot, I don't tell you, I never say get rid of anything. No, don't don't be this way or don't get angry or don't get jealous or don't, don't, don't. I might say that, but then you immediately see that you can't help but do that. And, and then that's what I want you to see is that you can't help but feel that. That's where the dis discontinuation between a personhood, a personhood that wants uh, to have their way, that is attack, uh, attaching itself to something that is none of their business. It's dependently arisen that they're trying to take credit for that feeling, that emotion, so they can fight with it or push it down or blame somebody, passion, aggression, ignorance. When actually it has to be seen that there is the personhood, which is also dependently risen. It's just a different frequency uh, that, because, and that different friction frequency is created by attachment to a human form. Attachment to this body is being me. This is not me or you. This is just, just arising in consciousness. Here we are. <laughs> and so you don't have to fix that. Just be aware of it. If you're just aware of it, it can't get muscles. The awareness doesn't provide muscles, particularly, although you could say that you are develop developing muscles of awareness, maybe. But even that's uh, missing the point because you don't need to develop them. They're already there. Just stop covering them up. And how do you do that? You have to watch the cover up. If you watch the cover up and you don't have an agenda about stopping the cover up, you don't have an agenda about justifying why the cover-up is there or why you're ignoring the I mean, it's just a labyrinth of otherness it's empty of other 
If that is helpful to you, uh, basically what he's being said is everything you look at, see, smell, taste, touch, think about is not over there. Relatively, it might be, but ultimately, it's not separate from anything. You're not separate from this incredible world that is beating itself to death uh, recently and probably since the Peloponnesian Wars and all the other wars. Very rare to find a true, true spiritual path. All right. Eric, does the teaching, you don't have to fix or correct anything, just be aware, is that only apply to free and well-favored? Like if somebody is being abused or being taken advantage of, do they not have to fix or correct anything? No. So there again, it's, it's a situational, it's going to be handled in different ways. When there's no mind training, then it's about blaming, uh, finding somebody that caused this, and relatively, of course they did. Of course, the person who is locked up in Jackson prison or in any any prison for for uh, having a, uh, killing someone or of course, uh, there, there's a cause and effect there. And our primitive way of working with that is to put them in a box for what, 50 years or till they die. And I've met quite a few of those people. And it's just the way our society is structured to it's not structured at with some kind of uh, spiritual core or center. That's what is we're endeavoring to do here is to try to strengthen the core of the man of the mandala. So any kind of outreach that goes out doesn't go out with a lot of aggression to try to switch or change, but goes out with with understanding of the nature of relative truth. And if someone's karma has brought them into as I think you're asking about a, a situation that's not so free and well favored. But they're just at the mercy of the, their uh, drug using parents when they're five or six years old. And so therefore they look for a family in a gang and end up robbing and maybe killing people. Uh, that whole matrix of otherness is an illusion. But it doesn't matter if people believe it and buy into it and fight with it, struggle with it and try to correct it and try to fix it based on right and wrong, on correct and incorrect. It's, it's just going to turn its nose under and go right back up and come right back up again 20 years from now. You see all the Nazis appearing in the world all over the place? They've been here before. How do I know that? I don't know it. It's not, I don't need facts. I'm not here to prove anything to you. But it's obvious if you see it. If you're not separate from this, then you see anything that's happening. You see the incredible, uh, um, uh, whatever, bigotry or just asinine behavior of some human beings against others to hurt others and to have, because they want they want control at any price. They don't care who they hurt. And that's because of ego. It's because of the personhood is so intense in that particular person. Have I gotten close to what you're looking for or have I missed it? It's an or. Huh? You gave me an or. I wasn't sure which one to pick there. I gave you an or. <laughs> Have we gotten closer? Have I missed it? How about if I get you a both? I give you a both. Well, I'm curious because I think that I mean I, I like what you said, but I also am still curious about um, spiritual teachings being applied in mundane situations. Okay, you need to do that. Everyone in here, you're studying here. Uh, if you're studying this, uh, you're already uh, less attached to outcomes than you think you are, because you're at least looking at those. You're at least aware of the attachment. So I would say, as I've said to many people, uh, do 
train your mind, but then also work in the world as it meet the world where it's at in its confusion. This is what I encourage people who are uh, therapists. Was there, is there more than three therapists? Uh oh, one of them's missing. Where is she? Oh, I didn't see you sitting there. Well, of course, Juzan uh, has a, such a fat head. It's hard to see you. Okay, all three therapists are here. So you're certainly working in an area where people are not necessarily going to train their minds, but they need help. And so you meet them where they're at. You help them as much as you can. You just you work in a totally relative way with your body-mind complex here, doing the best you can. And there may be some areas where you're fixing things, but the, there's the awareness that you're doing that. There's the awareness that the only way you can work with this person is to ha show them a way uh, to... Um, work with themselves uh, in a way that doesn't make their situation worse. So I, each one of you could speak in a different way about how, how meditation is informing what you're doing with others. My guess is the first thing it would, uh, would be showing up is you listen a lot more than you used to. You actually receive who's in front of you before you start to jump into their mind space or mindscape with alternate ideas about it. So Coming back to what you're asking about, I feel, is just train your mind as much as you can. See, see your own mind stream and your own thoughts as clearly as you can and see that they're generated out of hope and fear. Don't, don't have to fix it. But if you'll find that as you start to work with others who don't have the mind training and, and perhaps never will, uh, you're able to meet them in that space because you've been meeting yourself in that space for months, years. So here now you begin to see uh, how that shows up. It's not like a payoff, but it's like the way I've talked about it recently is you begin to have respect for people's confusion. And by respecting their confusion, then if there is a possibility of moving something a little bit or pushing something this way, which is in a relative sense, then, then you see it and you don't make life worse for them. By Sometimes people have such a strong desire to help they get in and they, they, they don't really respect the confusion. They project onto the confusion and then they try to fix their idea of the confusion. You follow a little bit on that? So that's what I would say. And that's uh, why as far as prison, working in prisons, having worked in prisons for with inmates for a long time, the best thing we can do for inmates is to get the prison system changed. And so that's why I'm, and so far as I hope, I'm hoping that one of our uh, attorney people here can at least give us some idea of how to go in and work work with that because they're they're in a hell realm and if we go in there to help them you know we can maybe get them to train their minds a little bit but just their basic structure of what they're having to live in the way they're being treated is atrocious i, I don't know without changing the laws i don't know how else to do that any ideas no me either just the ones i've mentioned more Thank you. Thank you for the question. Further questions? Kayun bowing. Kayun, go ahead. Uh, I've been thinking along the lines of <clears throat> difficult people that we may interact with not being separate from us. And what I think Trungpa Rinpoche once said, never give up on anybody. Yes. Is there... <sighs> I'm, I'm thinking specifically about a circumstance I've told you a little bit about where my boss had made some 
kind of QAnon conspiracy theory comments. And I've recently extricated myself from that situation. But what responsibility do we have to not give up on people like that and communicate bowing? So there again, it's very situational. Uh, I would say you could stay in touch with a person just to be try to get some kind of feedback to you that it looks that's what you're looking for, but it doesn't have to be very much. Uh, not giving up uh, might be, I have some students who have come this way, have received Jukai and never, and I haven't heard from them in years. I think about them all the time and I haven't given up on them, but that doesn't mean I need to do something in their direction. So I, I respect people's confusion. Uh, so it's been, I don't know, two or three years. And when they started, they seemed to be very sincere. They were, everybody's sincere, but something happened in the dynamic. It seems like in a couple of situations, it's, it's politics that was getting in the way of spiritual path and, and thinking that I was uh, a fool or something. I don't know, or that I was wrong. That's okay. I'm not going to, I don't give up on them. So it's about your state of mind and relationship to them uh, just as much and perhaps more than anything you do with them. So I, I'm not going to name anybody, but I, I have people that I've met over the years and uh, some very difficult situations, but I'm not giving up on anyone. Kayun Bowing, yes, sir. the way that the Dharma is kind of framed in a lot of the popular books is that we should go into those situations and be willing to have the difficult conversation and it's a teaching and blah 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 is but that seems like it could be a, a another strengthening of the musculature in another way is that would you agree with that Bowing? yeah i wouldn't do it don't do anything you don't have to do that will help you with choicelessness if you if, you do, if you're doing something you don't really have to do then it's not that you should shouldn't keep doing it. Maybe you would, but you should really be, you could be really be aware of the intention around it. What's the motivation behind doing any damn thing? So, and if you're on this path and you receive these vows, your 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 intention is to be with all things, to save people, to help people, in spite of your own crazy neurosis, in spite of crap in your mind stream that you just it won't go away and it keeps bugging you or haunting you. But you're going to do it anyway. You're going you're gonna to dedicate yourself to others, to helping others. And this means respecting their confusion. This does not mean stepping into their territory and trying to help them based on your idea. So I say don't do anything unless you have to. And that way you have the person who has a difficulty and, uh, you know, you may, you may call them right up and nag them about something. I don't know. And, you know but in another situation, you may just leave them alone. If, if I have a person that has a strong connection with me initially, and then uh, I notice it kind of tapering off, uh, my speculation is, insofar as I have any speculation, uh, is that usually they've just found something else that is more magnetic and more interesting or more compelling and more promising. I'm not very promising if you talk to me very much. I don't make promises. I'm kind of a, uh, what do you call that? A, a wet blanket. Yeah. People get too happy. Uh, then I start to feel bad because <laughs> I know they're coming down with a crash. So 
take no take no uh, uh, direction in anything and watch the directionlessness nature of the mind that is free of ideas of choices of knowledge. I'm talking about fundamental liberation. It won't stop you from chattering, won't stop you from teaching, it won't stop you from helping others, and it won't stop you from meeting people in the midst of their confusion without feeling like you have to be some kind of a savior. That's quite often what happens in the theistic traditions. People get a really strong ego because they think they have a connection with uh, one of those directions. And they think that they have to save everybody so that they will be good people or something. It's more about them rather than about the people. If it's really about others, you'll respect people's confusion and you won't meddle with somebody that needs to go through the, 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 the darkness, through the tree limbs in the middle of the night. You'll help them, you'll encourage them, but you won't do it for them and you won't dissuade them from seeing what they need to see in their life. Warren Bung. Go ahead, Warren. What would a prison um, reform look like to you, Bowen? Start helping the people rather than blaming them and, and punishing them, putting them in a box. <laughs> give, give, them, uh, give them some private space, where they, but not, not, uh, not isolation or uh, conf, uh, you know, uh, involuntary confinement in a box all by yourself. Allow there to be some kind of community, but be very careful what the community is. Right now, they just turn them all in, depending on the, the level, whether it's a maximum security or one of the, the lower levels. People are allowed to, and they have their own, they, they, don't, they aren't able to relate to a sane, a law-abiding uh, people that are respectful of others. They, they're, they're, they're brought into a community where they're all criminals. And, they, and then, they're, then they expect them to, what? Uh, get corrected or something. It's just an insane situation. It's, it's just about punishment. Instead of bringing it, you know, the only books they have are the ones that the, the attorneys who on somebody's behalf has allowed them to have, which are mostly law books, so that they can go in and become attorneys, I guess. Very difficult. So further, I would say further uh, that the idea is to protect society other people, the, the person who's trying to go and you know, get some groceries from that person attacking them or hurting them. So we'd have to put some money into how do we work with somebody? Is somebody really dangerous to society? Uh, we have to look at the big picture situation. Like they finally, after all these years, just because there's a lot of money in it, probably finally uh, cannabis, you can go out and buy that now. But in the 1960s, uh, uh, they would block you up for a long time if you were found with any amount of that at all. And they did. A lot of people spent a lot of time in prison. Silly, it's silly control issues, politics. But I wouldn't do this myself. I would, uh, would talk to others about it. I would talk to inmates about it. I would talk to attorneys uh, if, if, if it comes up. Uh, so Warren, if you want to help us with that. <laughs> Move here. I'll put you to work. Warren Bowing, thank you, Subzon. Um, I've been looking at that a lot, um, and I'm interested in, you know, because it seems like there should be a, a, can be a better way. So thank you for that, Bowing. Thank you. Thank you for your, uh, your inquiry and your question. 
Is there a final question from anyone in here first? How do you help somebody without meddling with them? Pretty hard to do. Yes. So what is uh, the differentiation of help versus meddling? <clears throat> so helping them would be would start out, there would be levels to it, but start out by seeing what what is actually happening with them. And if you've not understood your own confusion, I'm not talking about covering up your confusion or fixing your confusion. But if you've not been completely open to your own confusion, your own neurosis, your own whatever psychosis for that matter, if you've not been open to that and, and, and to see what that is without fixing it, without becoming a better person, but you just see it what it is, then you can see with clarity what is happening with another person. As long as you have assumptions or self-deception about who you are, uh, you, you might still help some people, might help a lot of people. It might look more like help than actually be help. You follow me? More question? So meddling then would be yeah. the opposite of what you're doing. It would be like the, I don't have a lot of time here and I don't, I don't want to, I probably should give a whole talk on this at some point. Maybe I have and just forgot, but I don't know. But the whole suicide hotline kind of thing. It's just that somebody can actually talk somebody who uh, who they don't know, and they're going to call them, and they're trying to stop them from uh, committing suicide. That's I think isn't that am I am I off on that from you? Those of you who know more about it than I do, what's the object of a suicide hotline? Sent you to keep people from killing yeah. themselves. Yeah, it's not about helping them necessarily. Depends on who's on the line, I guess. But to actually work with that, the nature of that, that impulse in the first place is to get rid of the suffering by getting rid of the body. So, and now is that being talked about on there? I don't know. I probably would have to call them up and and uh, talk to them about it. There's two more therapists here. I'm waiting for a response. No, nothing there. It's usually about keeping them safe in the moment. So if they're under the influence or have uh, means um, immediately accessible, you're just talking to them about um, how to make them safe so that they can make a decision okay, well, that sounds pretty in good. the future. But just it's the immediate that sounds... crisis that you're trying to. Okay, well, then I, I changed my mind. <laughs> I like suicide outlines. What do you say? I think, like you said, it depends on who you get. But yeah. I do think that in relating to crisis hotlines and domestic violence and sexual assault, it, yeah. it's helpful. It, it can be very helpful okay. to just have someone who's willing to hear um, how bad you feel yeah. and what's happened to you. Because so often people don't want to hear what's really happened to you or yeah. let you talk about it. So in those. Awesome instances, I think. Well, yeah, and no, I'm totally convinced. Yeah. Those hotlines are good. Let's use them. <laughs> but it, it would also be good if the person who's on the other end of that, who's doing that, has some mind training. Because if, if there's some kind of a some kind of a rotation there where it's where, where it's mirroring or resonating with your issues, you might not be as good at meeting that person in the confusion. Just an idea. 
just mind training is good. You don't have to be a Buddhist to train your mind. It just helps because of the strength of the lineage. Human beings down through 2,500 years, warm hand to warm hand to warm hand. This is not something I read in a book. I met the Buddha in the form of my teachers. Very good. I think we can tie up the loose ends. Hi, my name is Sokuren, and I'm one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan so freely offers his love to us and his wisdom through these talks and never asks us for anything in return. If you value what he does and what he is and want them to continue, please visit our donate page at sokukoji.org. Thank you.